We're going to be reading from the Gospel of John from now through Easter. And just a quick plug for Sunday School, we will be talking about the text for worship in Sunday School, uh, in Adult Sunday School in Westminster, the library, each week, um, pairing our discussion with our worship. So I hope you'll join us. John is different from Matthew and Mark and Luke. It tells different stories about Jesus from a different perspective. And part of why it does that is that it was the last gospel to be written. It was written 60 to 80 years after Jesus died. So the community had had a generation or maybe even two generations to think about, what does this all mean? How is it affecting us and how can we describe our experiences? That question of meaning is central to the Gospel of John. So rather than start with Jesus' birth, like Matthew and Luke, or the beginning of Jesus' ministry, like Mark, John goes all the way back to the very dawn of time, which is a bold choice. And we're going to read that scripture together, and Emily and I are going to read parts, and you'll read the parts in bold. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was in God's presence, and the Word was God. The Word was present to God from the beginning. Through the Word, all things came into being, and apart from the Word, nothing came into being. In the Word was life, and that life was humanity's light. the spirit of wisdom in scripture, among us, within us. Thanks be to God. In the beginning, in the very beginning, at the beginning of time itself, even beyond the dawn of time, that's where John dares to start. It is a bold start to claim what happened before the very beginning of time. And the gospel claims that there was something, for lack of a better word, present with God and that was God somehow. And even more, that that something, essence, wisdom, word, took on flesh and came among us 
on our little blue marble here in this arm of this galaxy. It's a wild claim. Jesus is both human and divine. Fully God. Fully us. We talked about this this morning, and folks have struggled with this ever since the idea was first floated that Jesus might be both, inseparably. John's going to make these kinds of big theological truth claims all the way through his gospel. And for some of us, that's really exciting and energizing And for others of us, at least some of them, will be hurdles, high hurdles. And so as we get started, as we encounter this very first truth claim, I want to share with you a metaphor that one of our incoming elders shared with the session as she presented her faith statement this year. She drew this metaphor from an author named Austin Hartke. And when Austin was having trouble with his own faith and his own belief, he went to his pastor and said, I just can't understand it or believe it all. And his pastor said, Austin, it's like this. Christians hold the church's beliefs like one of those big, multicolored parachutes that we all played with in kindergarten, where everyone hangs on to their corner, and together we can lift and even bounce high into the air, things that would be too heavy for any one of us. And sometimes you are able to take up the slack for someone else when they lose their grip. And sometimes you lose your grip. But all together, we hold the parachute and lift these claims, this faith, together. In other words, belief has never been a solo project. It's something we do together. So what we're holding together this morning is this wild claim that Jesus is both God and human, fully both. And for this community, Jesus being both God and human holding those things together was so amazing that it was like light that lit up their lives, shone. Once they'd seen it, they couldn't unsee it. So Jesus is light in the darkness. John uses a lot of these metaphors, especially ones that are binaries, light and dark. And that can seem 
simplistic at first. Everybody knows the cowboy with the white hat is the good guy and the cowboy with the black hat is the bad guy. But what John does is he takes these things we think we have a handle on and there's meaning in them at face value and there are other layers underneath complicate things or complement things. The dark, as Emily reminded us, can be scary. I also was terrified of going to the bathroom at night. There was a corner that the nightlight didn't cast light around. I always stood there gathering courage before I'd go around. But as the kids knew just as well as we know, it's in the dark that you get to have glow sticks and campfires. And the Magi could not have seen that star without it being dark every night. There's always both being held together in Christ. There's this phrase that gets at it for me, bright darkness. I don't fully understand what that means, but that holding together of a brightness in the darkness gets at this union we experience in Christ. To me, it means something like Discovering God's presence in the midst of our deepest suffering. Not that we go looking for suffering so that we can find God. Suffering just comes. Sometimes it's a bright darkness. For a moment, maybe. These experiences usually can't be put into words. But that's not going to stop me from trying. My first experience where this seemed to come to life for me was in my clinical pastoral education, which is about 400 hours that many pastors do as part of their formation, where they serve often as chaplains in a hospital. I served at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City, way up past the Upper West Side, a giant hospital. And like in many places, we had on-call pagers. This was long before smartphones. And when the pager would go off, it would just give you the floor and the room number. You wouldn't know what you were walking into, what situation would be on the other side of that door. And I was so nervous, so nervous that the first time the beeper went off when I was on call, I actually jumped. I read the floor number, and headed off in the maze of this giant hospital, and found my way to labor and delivery. I'd never been there before, and so I didn't know all the things you had to do to get into that locked floor. 
I finally got past all the cameras and the microphones and the badge readers, the nurse's station, and made my way to a corner room, with light streaming in two big windows. There in the corner, by the sink that's always in a hospital room, was a couple. The mother was holding her baby, swaddled in a hospital blanket. But the child was dead. She had died during delivery. We named her, the mother said to me. This is Katie. And we baptized her. We weren't sure anyone official would be willing to do it. So we just took some water from the sink right here, just some tap water, and put it on her forehead and claimed her for God. She looked up at me and said, I hope that wasn't bad. No, that wasn't bad. Not at all. A part of my heart broke that morning, stays there in that room, up in labor and delivery. That bright, dark room where life and death hovered so closely together. It was the place where Katie had died and where Katie was born and where through it all, Katie was loved and claimed by God no matter what. It was dark in that room with the sun shining in. And it was bright. I'd wager we've all had experiences like this. Maybe not this one, although maybe. We have all had these experiences that break a piece of our hearts. We are all frail. We live finite lives. There is pain and suffering in this business of life. And the claim is there is a light in that darkness that never goes out. And that would be a cheap platitude if it had not been given to us by the one who lived with us and suffered with us and dies with us and rises for us. Because in him it is all held together. We're going to sing this little light of mine, which I think of as a kid's song, but I learned this week 
that the first recordings of it were in prisons in Huntsville, Texas, in the 1930s, where inmates, folks incarcerated there, sang it back and forth to one another, sang that light through those bars. So yes, in Christ the fullness of God and humanity dwells, and the light shines, and the darkness has never overtaken it. Amen. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of John from now through Easter. And just a quick plug for Sunday School, we will be talking about the text for worship in Sunday School, uh, in Adult Sunday School in Westminster, the library, each week, um, pairing our discussion with our worship. So I hope you'll join us. John is different from Matthew and Mark and Luke. It tells different stories about Jesus from a different perspective. And part of why it does that is that it was the last gospel to be written. It was written 60 to 80 years after Jesus died. So the community had had a generation or maybe even two generations to think about what does this all mean? How is it affecting us and how can we describe our experiences? That question of meaning is central to the Gospel of John. So rather than start with Jesus' birth, like Matthew and Luke, or the beginning of Jesus' ministry, like Mark, John goes all the way back to the very dawn of time, which is a bold choice. And we're going to read that scripture together, and Emily and I are going to read parts, and you'll read the parts in bold. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was in God's presence, and the Word was God. The Word was present to God from the beginning. Through the Word, all things came into being, and apart from the Word, nothing came into being. In the Word was life, and that life was humanity's light. the spirit of wisdom in scripture, among us, within us. Thanks be to God. In the beginning, in the very beginning, at the beginning of time itself, even beyond the dawn of time, that's where John dares to start. It is a bold 
start to claim what happened before the very beginning of time. And the gospel claims that there was something, for lack of a better word, present with God and that was God somehow. And even more, that that something, essence, wisdom, word, took on flesh and came among us on our little blue marble here in this arm of this galaxy. It's a wild claim. Jesus is both human and divine. Fully God. Fully us. We talked about this this morning, and folks have struggled with this ever since the idea was first floated that Jesus might be both, inseparably. John's going to make these kinds of big theological truth claims all the way through his gospel. And for some of us, that's really exciting and energizing. And for others of us, at least some of them, will be hurdles, high hurdles. And so as we get started, as we encounter this very first truth claim, I want to share with you a metaphor that one of our incoming elders shared with the session as she presented her faith statement this year. She drew this metaphor from an author named Austin Hartke. And when Austin was having trouble with his own faith and his own belief, he went to his pastor and said, I just can't understand it or believe it all. And his pastor said, Austin, it's like this. Christians hold the church's beliefs like one of those big, multicolored parachutes that we all played with in kindergarten, where everyone hangs on to their corner, and together we can lift and even bounce high into the air things that would be too heavy for any one of us. And sometimes you are able to take up the slack for someone else when they lose their grip. And sometimes you lose your grip. But all together, we hold the parachute and lift these claims, this faith, together. In other words, belief has never been a solo project. It's something we do together. So what we're holding together this morning is this wild claim that Jesus is both God and human, fully 
both. And for this community, Jesus being both God and human, holding those things together, was so amazing that it was like light that lit up their lives. It shone. Once they'd seen it, they couldn't unsee it. So Jesus is light in the darkness. John uses a lot of these metaphors, especially ones that are binaries, light and dark. And that can seem simplistic at first. Everybody knows the cowboy with the white hat is the good guy and the cowboy with the black hat is the bad guy. But what John does is he takes these things we think we have a handle on, and there's meaning in them at face value, and there are other layers underneath complicate things or complement things. The dark, as Emily reminded us, can be scary. I also was terrified of going to the bathroom at night. There was a corner that the nightlight didn't cast light around. I always stood there, gathering courage before I'd go around. But as the kids knew just as well as we know, it's in the dark that you get to have glow sticks and campfires. And the Magi could not have seen that star without it being dark every night. There's always both being held together in Christ. There's this phrase that gets at it for me, bright darkness. I don't fully understand what that means, but that holding together of a brightness in the darkness gets at this union we experience in Christ. To me, it means something like discovering God's presence in the midst of our deepest suffering. Not that we go looking for suffering so that we can find God. Suffering just comes. Sometimes it's a bright darkness for a moment, maybe. These experiences usually can't be put into words, but that's not going to stop me from trying. My first experience where this seemed to come to life for me was in my clinical pastoral education, which is about 400 hours that many pastors do as part of their formation, where they serve often as chaplains in a hospital. I served at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City, way up past the Upper West Side, a giant hospital. And like in many places, we had on-call pagers. This was long before smartphones. 
And when the pager would go off, it would just give you the floor and the room number. You wouldn't know what you were walking into, what situation would be on the other side of that door. And I was so nervous, so nervous, that the first time the beeper went off when I was on call, I actually jumped. I read the floor number, headed off in the maze of this giant hospital, and found my way to labor and delivery. I'd never been there before, and so I didn't know all the things you had to do to get into that locked floor. I finally got past all the cameras and the microphones and the badge readers, the nurse's station, and made my way to a corner room light streaming in two big windows. There in the corner by the sink that's always in a hospital room was a couple. The mother was holding her baby swaddled in a hospital blanket. But the child was dead. She had died during delivery. We named her, the mother said to me. This is Katie. And we baptized her. We weren't sure anyone official would be willing to do it. So... We just took some water from the sink right here, just some tap water, and put it on her forehead and claimed her for God. She looked up at me and said, I hope that wasn't bad. No, that wasn't bad. Not at all. A part of my heart broke that morning stays there in that room up in labor and delivery. That bright, dark room where life and death hovered so closely together. It was the place where Katie had died and where Katie was born. And where, through it all, Katie was loved and claimed by God, no matter what. It was dark in that room with the sun shining in. And it was bright. I'd wager we've all had experiences like this. Maybe not this one, although maybe. We have all had these experiences break a piece of our hearts. We are all frail. We live finite lives. There is pain and suffering in this business of life. 
And the claim is, there is a light in that darkness that never goes out. And that would be a cheap platitude if it had not been given to us by the one who lived with us and suffered with us and dies with us and rises for us. Because in him it is all held together. We're going to sing This Little Light of Mine, which I think of as a kid's song. But I learned this week that the first recordings of it were in prisons in Huntsville, Texas, in the 1930s, where inmates, folks incarcerated there, sang it back and forth to one another, sang that light through those bars. So yes, in Christ the fullness of God and humanity dwells, and the light shines, the darkness has never overtaken it. Amen.